0: Increased heat, drought, and insect outbreaks, all linked to climate change, has led to increased wildfires, declining water supplies, reduced agricultural yields, the health impact in cities due to heat and increased flooding and erosion. In coastal areas, all are concerns when it comes to climate change, according to NASA and the federal government. As the host of the PBS podcast, the sweaty penguin, Ethan Brown, makes the subject of climate change less politicized, more fun, and easily relatable to the general public. He joined me this week to have a discussion about the urgency of the matter when it comes to climate change and the role we can all play to ensure our planet has a fighting chance into the future as our climate continues to shift, change, and evolve. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. As a child, Brown wasn't initially the outdoorsy type, and it took him until high school to really be exposed to the importance of climate change and how urgent taking action really was. So we began our discussion by Brown chronicling how he began his journey and being invested in the urgency of the matter Yeah, i
1: think i was never an outdoorsy person growing up Um, i wasn't like out in nature camping or anything like that so when i first learned about climate change i was certainly really scared and uh, concerned but it wasn't something i found interesting or fun to learn about and so it really took a lot of time for me to be able to actually develop an interest. Uh, It really took until I got to college and started taking some academic courses. And I think what I ultimately realized is I had originally been really overwhelmed by it. I found it to be just really politicized and that kind of made it exhausting for me. And that's why I ultimately created the Sweaty Penguin to try to Provide something different for folks like myself at that age who might be feeling overwhelmed and want to learn about climate change in a way that isn't uh, isn't depressing, for lack of a better word.
0: Absolutely, and you definitely want to uh, uh, remove the politics of it, and, and you found a way to inject some humor. It became uh, something you could relate to, and I know. Uh, that's important to you that other people are uh, uh, injected into the discussion as well isn't it
1: yeah absolutely i think um a big switch that the sweaty penguin makes from a lot of environmental news we very often see all the facts and science and politics and opinions all jumbled together into one thing and i think that (laughs) is harder than you might realize to actually read that and mentally separate out what's fact and what's opinion. And so The Sweaty Penguin very consciously has, uh, in my opening monologue, I'll talk about the problem and I'll very much zero in on what the science is, how it affects the environment, but also the economy, health, justice, national security, et cetera. And then we talk about solutions and when I do that, I really just talk about options. So I'll talk about a variety of different policies or technologies or what have you and how we could implement those. But I really discuss the pros and cons. I'm not saying like we have to do X, Y, Z, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And tell me, Ethan, when you uh, talk to people on your show, what's the one thing that you come away Uh, both encouraged, surprised, or uh, uh, it lets you know that there's still more work to do when it comes uh, to climate change.
1: I think what's encouraging is I have found that people have this idea of this environment versus economy uh, dichotomy, where the two are uh, opposing forces. And I found that the exact opposite is to be true in almost every instance. Obviously you think about with hurricanes or wildfires or other natural disasters, those cost a lot of money to clean up. Uh, We've accumulated trillions of dollars of costs with those and certainly uh, making climate change a little uh, less bad than the direction it's headed would help with uh, saving on that. But also, even in the present tense, uh, solar and wind are increasingly becoming some of the cheapest energy sources out there. And even beyond that, climate change or climate action is really about efficiency. It's about being smart. You think about if your heating worked with less energy or um, you, let's say, rather than buying five, t-shirts from a fast fashion chain, you bought one sturdier t-shirt that takes less inputs to make and doesn't disintegrate when you put it in the laundry, you save money. So all these different ways that uh, whether it's individually or as a whole economy, you actually save money by helping the climate. I think if people understood that aspect, um, they would be a lot more excited to pursue climate action.
0: And tell me, even when you examine climate change, I'm curious, why do you think the more general public should be concerned about climate change? Because, you know, uh, if it's not directly, it's in the news, but why do you think people in a more broad, broader sense should be uh, concerned about the effects of climate change?
1: I've heard the refrain for a long time that climate change is a problem for your kids and your grandkids and you have to do it for them. And that's fine if people feel that selfless, but I think it's very clear that climate change is here right now. And uh, if you, for whatever reason, don't care about your kids and grandkids, uh, you should still be very compelled to be concerned about climate change. We just saw... Hurricane Ida um, last summer, which ripped through Louisiana all the way up the East Coast. Um, Normally something dissipates a hurricane, but not that time. Uh, Just last month we saw a record-breaking wildfire in Colorado in December in the winter and snow helped to put out that wildfire. So we're seeing these very, very Outlierish climate events happening that are really damaging to a lot of people. Uh, you can lose your home, you can, uh, there've been casualties with these types of things. And so I think that's very concerning. Um, obviously, a lot of people live in regions where these events will impact them. But even if you happen to be in an area that doesn't quite get the same level of natural disasters, it still affects you, it affects how many tax dollars you need to spend, it affects um, your health, it affects the broader economy, um, lots of ways that this stuff matters for everyday folks.
0: And, and if action isn't taken on a more urgent uh, scale, what what are some of the consequences that we could see as a result of climate change?
1: I think it's important to frame this in a way where we're not going to stop climate change. We can get it under control. Um, right now, we have there's a glacier in Antarctica the size of Florida that is now on track to fall into the ocean in the next five years, which will cause feet of sea level rise, and that's happening. Like. We can't really stop that from happening. So, um, and obviously, we see all these natural disasters that are already occurring. Um, but what we can do is stop the bleeding a little bit and say, okay, how do we make sure we're not getting dozens of feet of sea level rise? How do we make sure these disasters aren't way worse than they've become? Um, certainly, I would prefer to live in a world that is more like today than even worse than today. So um, in terms of how we do that, there's a lot of strategies. Um, You can try to mitigate uh, carbon emissions. You can uh, try to suck carbon back out of the atmosphere by replanting forests or preserving um, forests, mangroves, seagrass, uh, all these different types of ecosystems. Um, You can take adaptation measures by putting up seawalls or jetties or creating drought-resistant crops or all different things. Um, So lots of different ways we can approach climate change, but I think it's important to set the proper goal. We're not trying to stop it. It's not gonna go away, but we can prevent it from getting a lot worse.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you started our conversation by telling me how apolitical you wanted to make climate change. So I'm going to uh, switch this question a little bit. How do you how do you think we can take away the political rhetoric you see from politicians and really drive home the urgency of the matter so that they can see the urgency of having to uh, do something about climate change?
1: It is odd how politicized climate change got when there is uh, so much science involved. Um, I think that it's important to understand that fixing climate change does not require a big hands-on government regulatory approach. It can. A lot of People are advocating that path, and I think that's one viable option. Um, But there's other options, too. You could take a more market-based approach. You can incentivize more innovation and technology. You can... uh, There's many, many ways you can do it. So I think it is important for... um, politicians to, A, appreciate the nuance of these issues, because very often, I think, sometimes uh, we think of banning things when we think of climate change, and very often that actually has a lot of unintended consequences. And on the podcast, if we're talking about a product that may have a lot of environmental flaws, I'll very often lay out why banning it is also uh, maybe not the best idea. Um, But then on the flip side, it is important to approach this with urgency and to advocate for something rather than walking away from the problem altogether. I feel like if we are um, not trying to, sorry, let me rephrase that, if we are not if we're talking about what the problem is, as opposed to what the solution to the problem should be, um we're in the wrong place. I would rather be having that debate as to what policy is the right policy to pursue. Because if we're in that place, then ultimately we'll get something done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And tell me now uh, more in depth about this one, and Penguin. I know that you also talk to leading experts on the show. But you're also trying to inject humor so that people uh, can make uh, climate change a more relatable topic. So tell me all about the show, buddy. Yeah.
1: So each episode focuses on a specific environmental issue. We've done everything from a whole bunch of foods like chocolate and coffee and beef and tea to animals like uh, orangutans and sharks to various chemicals to little facets of international policymaking, uh, everything you can imagine there. Um, Each episode has two segments. First is a comedy monologue. It's loosely inspired by like a John Oliver, Hasan Minaj in terms of how it's structured and uh, that there's jokes integrated with uh, an actual bit of journalism. Um, Beyond that, I think it's very different Um, And then the second segment is an interview with a expert and we uh, specifically interview professors and researchers, Um, I feel that they're sort of the best folks to kind of be an introduction to these different topics, and we've interviewed folks from all over the world at this point I think we've done 11 countries across five continents, so we've uh, had the pleasure to talk to some really cool people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious for you on a a personal scale, buddy. how has hosting uh, the podcast really sort of uh, changed the way you view climate change and impacted your life?
1: I think that it's given me this bizarre in-depth knowledge into a lot of really random things, um, which has been very cool. Um, I have a degree in environmental analysis and policy, but that has really given me just overall framework. So I understand how the issues work, how they might interact. I can look at a topic and say, okay, I, I'm researching sharks. I can expect that uh, because of warming oceans, I'm, I'll research if that affects them. I'll research if overfishing affects them. So I have these like frameworks I can use. But the podcast has really opened up my eyes to a lot of very specific issues, um, which is really interesting. The uh, environment versus economy thing has been a big takeaway for me. And also, I think, um, like, we've done a lot of food episodes, and I find a lot of folks in the environmental world seem to advocate for a big change in diet across the world. And I've found that that also may not be quite accurate more often than not. The issues with foods stem from the production process or the economy of the food, Um, not necessarily something that we're gonna solve just by not eating it. In fact, I think the farmers would prefer that we eat their food. So, um, And I could get into so many other things, but those are, some of the first takeaways that come to mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm curious to ask you about, how do you think there are tangible ways that people that are concerned about climate change but don't know how they get involved in the fight? What what's sort of advice would you give people about the importance of getting into the fight against climate change and how, how can they do that effectively?
1: So I think there's a big debate in the environmental world as to whether individual action is important. Some people argue that it is incumbent on individuals to help climate change. Others argue that saying individuals need to act is just uh, deflecting from the real problem of corporate emissions. I think there's a middle ground there. In terms of What individuals can do, I think any action that will spur community level change is the best type of action. So I'll give five very quick uh, ways you can think about that. One would be find low hanging fruit. So if you're not a big meat eater, sure, you can cut back on beef. Beef is a large source of emissions. If you're not a big fashion person, which I am not, you can wear your clothes out as long as you can. Don't bother buying new clothes, save some money there. Uh, So things like that. If one of those things sounds like something you're not gonna be able to do, don't worry about it. I think that um, it's like dieting. If you try to take on too much, you're just gonna fall off the wagon. Two would be to do your research, Um, things like, buying a new electric car will actually accumulate more emissions than just using your current car to the end of its life, unless it's got ridiculously bad gas mileage. Because you think about the inputs that go into making a new car that has emissions of its own. So being smart about these issues, doing your research, not just doing a solution because it seems trendy, but actually learning what the right solutions are is important. Uh, Three would be to uplift others who are doing good things. Uh, There's a lot of vegan bashing in the United States and I'm not a vegan, I love meat, but um, I also think vegans are doing us a solid by uh, eating a more carbon-free diet. So um, certainly I hope that they can get a little less uh, bullying from people in the US. Um, And there's other ways this plays out too. Um, Four would be to find ways to use your voice. Um, Certainly a lot of people have taken the activism route or the volunteer route, but that wasn't for me. I went to a protest once and absolutely hated it. I felt claustrophobic and overwhelmed, um, but I found my voice by writing and using comedy and creating this podcast. Um, So whether it's something like that, whether it's uh doing something at your job to help your company be more sustainable um a number of ways you can approach that and then my last thing um gosh i totally slipped my mind um
0: yeah so yeah
1: the, there's four for you i'll, yeah, I'll let there you know if go. i think of
0: the fifth yeah it'll come <laughs> to you afterwards are done recording i'm sure uh, but uh i'm also curious to ask you Ethan, because I, I i agree with you everyone everyone's a version of success is different right so everyone will have to, to define their role against or fighting against climate change differently but i'm curious for for you whether you view yourself as an educator or a change maker through hosting this podcast and whether you you think that that your role is helping to inspire others to take action on this. issue?
1: I just remembered my fifth. So I'll give you that. And then I'll answer that question. Okay, fifth is talk to someone you disagree with. Um, so I totally
0: think, agree with that. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think. And it doesn't even have to be about the environment, like talk about movies or sports. I, I really don't care. But I think that having that conversation is so so important because right now I think because uh if we talk politically liberals and conservatives just don't interact with each other anymore and I think that's led us to be in a place where we're not on the same page about what the actual problems are and as I know a lot of people don't even want to engage with uh people who they feel have fundamentally different morals or what have you but If you can just have the conversation, try to understand where they're coming from, even if it makes no sense to you, um, it ultimately has a benefit uh, because it helps get us on the same page. Um, In terms of your last question, I would definitely call myself more of an educator, more of a journalist. I would not call myself an activist. I don't even know that I'd go so far as to call myself an environmentalist. I really feel strongly that my calling has been to just present facts to people, present options to people and, excuse me, um, try to bring more people into this conversation. Um, I feel like once you're at a point where you understand what's going on and you wanna start debating policy, then uh, you've graduated any need for me talking at you. So, there you well, go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And my final question for you about is: is I'm, I'm curious to ask you about your own personal and professional legacy and how you might want that to be the fun.
1: Yeah, I think I did have the opportunity to work with some activists through an internship in college. Um, I, like I said, I went to a protest and I found that they really, really enjoyed that. Work. And I think about what would happen if we just solve climate change or we get it to a place where we're comfortable. I have a feeling they'd want to keep fighting for something. Um, And I don't know what that would be, but they really seem to enjoy doing that. For me, I really came in not wanting to be here, but feeling like this is so urgent. I have to do something if other people aren't seeing this. And um that's not to say I don't like it I definitely do um but I've had to find ways to like it by trying to make it funny for myself so to um my hope is that we can get climate change under control and maybe I can shift gears and look at a different issue and then look at a different issue after that but not um like, I really do enjoy just telling stories and communicating and hopefully adding humor. Um, and so that's what I hope to be doing throughout my life. And if I'm talking about climate change in 40 years, then I'm probably going to be bummed because I would much rather us actually get this under control and not have to worry about it that far in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I hope. One follow-up question for you: I'm I'm curious, where did your love or 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 uh, propension for wanting to inject comedy or humor come from? Where uh, does your comedy passion lie? I'm curious.
1: I've always been a big fan of comedy and was not naturally a comedy person, but I think in middle school I joined an improv class and really enjoyed that. Um, In high school, I tried out for the school improv troupe, did not get in, not even close. Um, But I still liked comedy and uh, sort of waited for an opportunity. And eventually, uh, a couple of my friends were launching a satire publication at my high school. And so I joined that. Uh, My senior year, I actually became editor in chief of it. And then in college, kind of a similar thing happened where I joined their satire publication. Um, the, it was sort of a lot of the higher up people were kind of on their way out. So I actually became editor in chief of that one my freshman spring and ran that for two years. And in that time we grew to a 90 person team doing daily articles, quizzes, podcasts, videos, um, all from When I joined, and it was really just me and a couple people on their way out, so those were really amazing opportunities for me, and that gave me like six years of satire writing experience going into making this podcast. So obviously, there's many ways to create entertainment, but for me, comedy seemed like uh, something I had a lot of experience with, and something that I thought would offer a very different angle on climate change. We like to say sometimes climate change is a laughing matter. And um, I don't know that any other people are doing something like that.
0: Uh, yeah, you may be an important unicorn in that uh, situation for sure. But Ethan, tell me, if people want to get connected with this one in Penguin or you personally, what's the best way they can do that, buddy?
1: The Sweaty Penguin is on all your podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. Um, we are at thesweatypenguin.com. Our partners at PBS, Peril and Promise are at pbs.org slash Uh, We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. And if you want to support the show even further, we have a Patreon page patreon.com slash the sweaty penguin. There you can get merch, bonus content, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff. So uh, that helps us fund our show and helps us connect with our audience. So do check that out.
0: Fantastic. Well, I want to applaud you for the work that you're doing in a very important space. And I want to thank you for taking a few minutes to talk to me about the urgency of climate change and how, how we can Inject humor into a serious discussion. Your time, energy, and efforts on my behalf are most appreciated. And I want to thank you for being here this morning.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It was great to chat with you and explore
0: some of these issues.